Well, brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Yeah, good, there we go, we're getting there. I love this reading from Acts chapter 11 that we just heard. It is one of the, it, you know, you ever heard like uh, an extremely complicated and long history kind of boiled down to about a five minute synopsis? That's what we're seeing here with Peter in Joppa and Caesarea. <clears throat> the Gentiles and the Jews, this is really gets to the heart of what uh, Athens has to say to Jerusalem. Uh, it, it's so hard to peel back the curtain and peer into the first century of Christianity. We just can't do it. The best that we can do are Paul's letters. Uh, Paul's, the, 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 uh, the Apostle Paul, his letters are the oldest chapters in the New Testament. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written after the Pauline epistles. Uh, they were, the Gospels were shared by word of mouth. Uh, and the earliest gospel, Mark, we think was written down probably about 35 to 40 years after the events of the, uh, of the crucifixion and resurrection. But Paul's letters were written prior to that. So we can study Paul, and from Paul we know that there was a big fight in the early church around this question of who is Jesus for. And we have Paul and Peter, and Peter thinking, well, I don't, I mean, I knew Jesus, Paul. And Paul says, well, I knew him too. And Peter says, no, I really knew him. And Paul says, no, I knew him. I saw him in a vision. And Peter's like, well, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I knew him, knew him, you know. And, and, and Peter, you know, he has this, this rock-hard belief in his Judaism. A man, perhaps, I suspect, who wasn't really a practicing Jew before he met Jesus, but following the events of those three years, became very Jewish. And we have Paul, who's really, really marketing this whole Jesus movement thing better than anybody ever thought anybody would. And he's selling the Gentiles on this idea. And Peter's cool with it. The Jerusalem church is fine with it. But just, you know, make sure that they get circumcised. Paul calls back and says, they're not going for that. <laughs> so there's this big fight. And I, I spend a lot of time with people of other faiths who have um, dietary restrictions and purity laws, um, members of my family who are Jewish, members of my family who are Muslim. And I give thanks to God for this chapter from Acts, where Peter finally has a vision and says, you know what, ah, we're all good. Eat what you want. We're made clean and pure by the grace in Jesus Christ. And Jesus teaches, right? It's not that which goes into a man's mouth which defileth him, but rather that which comes out. All right, sorry. I just love this little part of the New Testament. Kinfolk, brothers and sisters, will you pray with me? God of justice, who leads us into new life, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts and minds will be pleasing and acceptable unto thee, our rock and salvation. Amen. It's a hard truth that getting older doesn't magically transform human beings into adults. <clears throat> I wish it did. I'm given over to thinking about this because I'm getting older and I'm waiting for my old guy wisdom to kick in. You know what I'm talking about. You get old guy wisdom. At some point you get old guy strength too. I don't know what that's from. I think it kicks in around age 50 or 55 maybe. You get old guy wisdom. I keep waiting. I don't, aging, though, I think is, is insufficient to, to 
It's insufficient nutrition to transform a child into an adult. I meet and occasionally minister to lots of children walking around in adult bodies. Now, there are two ways to read to this reality. Now, first and most obvious is that lots of folks who are grown-ups aren't actually adults. We may know a few in our lives. But the other reality is that sometimes, on the other hand, we're surprised by the wisdom of children. In other words, the inverse is sometimes true. Sometimes children are profoundly wise, and then they lose it and become teenagers. <laughs> And I think, though, that perhaps it is that the distance between a person's mind and their heart somehow increases with age. Children are excellent at getting from the head to the heart of things. This is their special wisdom. I pay very, very close attention, very close attention to the prayers of children and people who are near to death. I think that they have a window into the reality that exists beneath the surface of this reality. Children have special wisdom, and this is all in the Bible, of course. Our Savior teaches us uh, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, right? I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So being wise and being a a grown-up, or an adult, let's say, has less to do with how old you are and more to do with something else. The problem for most of us, uh, especially those of us who are grown-ups who want to be adults, what a critical shortage of adults we have in this country today. Amen? They're a dwindling resource. They're endangered species. All right, so the problem that we have is that how old you are. It's more to do with something else. We, we, it's a question of what I call spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. And today's readings are about spiritual maturity. God, this line from Acts 11 rings out like a bell to me today. Peter, listen to what he says of the Holy Spirit, of God speaking to him. He says to those who say, why did you go and eat with those people? They're different from us. They're not part of our group. And Peter says, the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. Can you imagine what a revolutionary thing this must have been to say in an age when the land that you were born on defined everything about you from your religion to your culture to your language, everything. And not just that, but Gentiles from Caesarea. Romans, the very people who killed Peter's best friend. And Peter says, the Spirit of God said, don't make a distinction between them and us. So... Jesus, as well, says, and he says it as simply as possible, because here in this reading from John, we're getting very close to the end, right? Even though we've been through Easter, the lectionary feeds us a bit more Last Supper here, and says, he says it very shortly, he starts to use smaller and smaller words as he gets closer and closer to the resurrection, I think because he realizes time is of the essence. And he says simple phrases to try to guide his disciples towards spiritual maturity. Because he says, look, I'm going someplace where you can't come with me. They don't, they don't understand, but he does. And so he makes it as simple as possible. He says, love one another. If you can't do anything else, love one another. 
And I think also, likewise, listen to the way that he addresses his disciples in today's reading. He says, little children, I am with you only a little longer. Now, it's easy to read this as maybe a term of endearment, or maybe he's a little patronizing and dismissive. I don't know. But I also think perhaps based on what he says, it could be a badge of honor. Badge of honor. He refers to them as little children, right? And he teaches elsewhere that it is little children. Those who are like little children will receive the kingdom of God. Okay. We are being guided by God towards spiritual maturity in these texts. I want that word planted in your hearts this week. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age. It's unfortunate, too, uh, because too often young people, especially teenagers, we tell them, we counsel them to listen to the wisdom of their elders. And then nobody tells them who their elders are. And they get on the internet and listen to idiots. Listen to the counsel of those who are wiser, I think is what we should say. Seek out people who are wiser than you. Wiser doesn't just mean older. It's, as we say, it's not the years in your life, but the life in your years. Okay. The reason this is important is because we need to cultivate a sense of spiritual maturity in our communities, and especially in our young people, especially in our young men, especially in our white young men who are being preyed upon by radicals on the internet, who are leading them away from the path of Jesus Christ and into a path of darkness and hatred and racism. And we saw that on display this week, a few hundred miles from here in Buffalo, New York. There's a lot of spiritual sickness out there in the world. There's a lot of toxic immaturity. There's a lot of bad religion. We want our kids to have spiritual maturity and discernment. Now, have you ever met a spiritually mature young person? I have. You've got a lot of them that go to your church. Uh, there's this wonderful story in Scripture that I think about when, often when I'm working with kids who are 11, 12, 13 years old who seem to have, be possessed of holy wisdom. It's the story of, of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Remember, he, he was a little kid when he got his start. But he had a great deal of spiritual maturity. Now, Prophet Jeremiah, maybe he didn't know specifically about this, that he had this. Uh, nobody told him uh, until God spoke to him. Jeremiah was a boy. And the Lord speaks to Jeremiah, tells him he's been appointed a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah, somewhat ironically, has the spiritual maturity to say, I don't think so. That doesn't seem right. I'm a boy. He doubts his own abilities. He says to God, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak. I'm only a boy. Now this is great because it's spiritual maturity in action, right? Doubt, doubt, and, and, and concern that we're not up to the task is a sign of spiritual maturity. We saw the self-same behavior in Moses when God spoke to Moses, right? So God says, um, listen up, Jeremiah, this is God speaking. <laughs> you are a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says back to God, no way. I am completely insufficient to the task. 
Uh, and the Lord then says to him, okay, stop, don't, do not say I am only a boy. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. That's important. I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So Prophet Jeremiah has the spiritual maturity as a boy to recognize his own weaknesses. Um, and that is valuable because we live in this age of self-promotion and self-congratulation uh, and celebrities. This bold declaration about one's own insecurities and personal shortcomings, uh, that's, you're not supposed to do that uh, in America these days. We don't like to talk about our shortcomings. It looks bad on the resume, right? It sounds bad in the interview. Right? The, interview asks, the interviewer sitting across from you, interviewer says, well, what do you like about this job? And you say, uh, the money, I uh, need it. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to say that. And then they say, what's your greatest weakness? Well, my Lord, how are you supposed to answer that? I would say my greatest weakness is, um, my greatest weakness is correctly answering trick questions in job interviews. <laughs> Jeremiah says, to the Lord, Lord, I'm too young for this job. And the Lord says, no, you're not getting out of it that easily, Jeremiah. I know everything about you. You are wise. And Jesus today says to us simply, just as I have loved you, love one another. It takes something very challenging uh, to love people in this way. Because how does Jesus love them? He loves them sacrificially. He loves them sacrificially. There's nothing that they could have done to have earned his love. In fact, they spurn him at the last. They abandoned him. And yet he loves them and dies for them. Lays down his life for them. He wants us to love one another in that way, in that same way, sacrificially. To have love for somebody who has spurned you or turned their back on you. It takes spiritual maturity but it also takes something else. It requires ourselves to become vulnerable. Vulnerable. Men are not raised in this country to be vulnerable with each other. And because of that, it's hard for many men to love each other, to really love each other. I mean, like each other, but it's hard sometimes for us to love each other. Um, Church, however, should, ought to be a place where we can come and be vulnerable, confessing our weaknesses and loving one another despite that. It's spiritually mature to love another person regardless of their shortcomings. And faith is insufficient to the task. Jesus knows this. Faith alone won't seal the deal. I mean, St. Peter writes, if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. I meet a lot of people in my journey of faith who are people of deep and abiding faith, they believe, but they're so deeply politically partisan. Um, so divided that they lack love. Some Christians today hate people that they've never even met. Uh, it seems crazy to me, but it's true. They've got faith but they lack love. A lot of people these days say that they love America. 
but they seem to hate most of the people who live in America. I don't understand how that works. I don't think you can love America without loving all the Americans. My dad used to say, and he was a rock-ribbed Republican, but he would say thousands of Americans are born every day all around the world. They just haven't come home yet. He loved immigrants because he believed that immigrants loved America so deeply that they were willing to fight to come here. But we just saw this madness in Buffalo. A young man who, professing to love America, drove 10 hours to murder Americans. Spiritual maturity means that we have the humility to admit that we don't have all of the answers, like Jeremiah, the grace to love one another anyway, despite our differences, like Peter did. This is what Jesus is trying so desperately to get us to understand. He says it three times today. He says it three times. That's so you know it's important. I give you a new commandment. That you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you should love one another. By this, that you'll, they will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Spiritual maturity is not simply faith. It's faith that results in love. Spiritual maturity is not about age. It's about possessing faith that leads to humility, that leads to personal grace sufficient to love everyone we meet, despite our differences. That is the only yardstick that I know of by which we might measure our maturity and self-actualization and spiritual growth. Let us seek the spiritually mature position, growing together in faith, unashamed to admit when we might not be sure, yet convicted of the truth of the gospel, that we are, all of us, every single one of us, deeply loved by God. And from that position, we may be deeply and truly loving toward one another and all of those we meet out there in the mission field this week. Amen. Amen.